Welcome to Multiple Streams by Any Means podcast geared towards showing our people uh, different ways to make money while also putting the spotlight on country, uh, entrepreneurs, content creators, and uh, business professionals. Now, today, we got my buddy, my pal, my business partner, um, Mr. Dante Broke the Pot Coates. Yep. Okay, I got it right, man. I got yeah. it right, man. You know, I named on some deeds, so I, it was kind of easy. Yeah, yeah, man. So, um, all right, cool, man. So we got Dante Coates, man. Um, Dante, we'll just start it off like this, man. Where you from, my brother? I'm from Atlanta, uh, the city to be specifically. Uh, grew up on a little bit of the east side, then we moved to the south side where I went to Westlake and stuff. But from Atlanta for sure. Okay, so you started off in Zone Six, East Atlanta. Nah, I see. Um, uh, see, Zone Six is East Atlanta. I was like more like Lathonia, Turner Hill. Oh, that's hard. Like I saw them build Stonecrest Mall type shit. That's dope. You saw them build it. Yeah, I, I saw that as it was coming like up. That. Okay, so you from? Um, so you've been here your whole life. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, cool, man. So like, uh, growing up, man, what was uh Dante Coates like, man? You was a uh, more of an athlete type of guy. You I know, I was an athlete, a hustler, and a nerd. Like I graduated high school with a 4.3 GPA. Damn. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I played every sport at the school besides baseball. So football with football mainly, basketball my senior year, track and field my senior year, wrestling my senior year. Um, you did wrestling? Yeah, for sure. My I had a I had a coach by the name of Ansoir Marine. He gonna hate that I say Ansoir because he hated when we say his first name, but he was like very instrumental to making sure that I didn't fall down the wrong path with like the people I was with. If he see me after school, he'd be like, what are you doing? Why you ain't going to go do this? So like I ended up trying to play basketball because he made me go to tryouts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I ended up wrestling because he saw me out of school. He said, hey bro, you're not just gonna be chilling after school, come to this wrestling mat. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And then I ran track and field because after wrestling, after I went to state, he said, hey, wrestling over, but I'm finna go talk to, God, what was coach name? I'm gonna go talk to Coach Wilson and make sure you get an opportunity to try for the track team. And we ended up going to state and track too. So he Damn. was like, I saw a black man be very instrumental in like little pushes to get me where I was. What was his name? Uh, Marine, Coach Marine. Okay, like pretty much kind of like close thing you had to a mentor. Yeah, him and a little older. Yeah, yeah. He he was he was somebody that I would say was a really good mentor for me, and Mr. Kevin Cole. Mm. Um, Kevin uh, Cole yeah. is a multi-medium African-American artist He's world renowned He's premiered in the Louvre Actually his show that premiered in the Louvre I had the opportunity to work apprentice on that show And many other works that he did um, I did leg work I painted the pieces I plastered the wood We put the pieces together Took them for the photo shoots um, It premiered in the Louvre with Sam Gilliam Mm. who was a huge, 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 I, I'm honestly not sure if he's still living to this day, but he's a huge, huge, huge Afro-American multimedia artist. Mm. Um, and Kevin was, he was very instrumental in teaching me money and how money works and credit and that life is bigger than what you see somebody have. He was the art teacher at the school. Damn. And what's crazy is, I see, this goes to the entrepreneur side of why I said I was a hustler. Um, every, every year while I was in high school, I sold candy. I was mm. the candy man. And like in a big way though like i was never the person like oh i'm just selling candy and this is it like now nah, i had six seven people meeting me at school seven o'clock in the morning to get seven bags out my mom trunk each person at the end of every day brought me 45 dollars out of a 50 dollar bag 
Mm. You know, some people, they come up with 40, 42. They may spend some money on lunch, <laughs> but that was cool because I would pick up 280, 300. I sell my bag and probably make 150. I probably make a $500 a day. Shit. And school, I, that's cool. That's, that's a lot yeah. of money. A lot of money yeah. as an adult. Yeah, because I was, I would go to art was my last class, and Mr. Cole was my art teacher. So mm -hmm. I would go in there and I would probably have $400 in ones in my pockets. He was like, man, you can't keep walking around school with all this money just hanging out your pocket. So he would always give me some crispy, you know, hundreds, fifties. He cleaned me out. Yeah, and I'm like, hold up, you're the art teacher. How, why you? Why you? Why, why every day you got a thousand dollars on you? You feel like what I'm snowfall, saying? Snowfall, man. Yeah, and I was the only student that made an A in his art class the whole time he's ever been a teacher. Yeah, art not easy. Art, yeah, like he you got to put up with the different, uh, you know, eras in art. Yeah, and you got to give it your all. And, you know, in high school, art is down there PE. It's like, man, I'm here. I'm going to draw a little bit. I'm going to do what he yeah. tell me to do. But I, sh I should get an A. And because he was an artist, yeah. he was like, man, if you just if you just take it serious, that's how you got an A. And I was probably the only person that ever took it serious. And art, he, art, bro. I got to see an art, bro. What? Yeah. He the guy you'll see. He was that type of person. Like, it's like, man, you know I need this A, man. I'm giving you a C. You show up late. You don't do the, the projects. You don't do the homework. I'm giving you a C. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I got to. I don't know if I finished with a C, but I know I had to see like the whole because it was like more about remembering remembering different eras in art and things like. Oh, see. you know, it wasn't more about drawing and painting. It was more about art history. Painting. I forgot the different eras in art, but painting this era, how it would like stuff. But that would be like a test. Okay. Well, yeah, they weren't playing in River Riverwood. That's why I went Riverwood. Yeah. Well, at Westlake, they would shoot. Mister Cole was like, it was really hands on. It really sculpture. And when he saw that I was good at that, he invited me over to the crib to really do like other stuff, like cut the grass. Cause I had a lawn cutting service. So I tell him about that. Like, yeah, man, I said, okay, but I cut grass on the weekends too. He said, Hey man, come cut the grass. I got three cars, watch <laughs> the cars. So I, you know, I go do that. I didn't care. I ain't have nothing better to do than to go make some money. Yeah. So I go do that. And then I saw, like, I pulled up to his crib the first day, man. I was like, this is your house. It was a gigantic four car garage. <laughs> His when as soon as I walked in, it's just full of art. He was like, "Yeah." He walked he walked me around the house. I said, "Yeah, this is a Norman Hayes. This is the Picasso. This is this. This is this. This is this." So yeah. it was insured. His house was insured for like seven million in art. Right, I never met nobody like that in my entire life growing up, man. Yeah. So he was and pretty lucky. Yeah, I'm gonna he, tell you some. I'm gonna tell you some cool thing that I never. That if you know me, you know this. Mm -hmm. Like my mom knows, my dad knows things like that. But mm -hmm. there's a piece that he donated to the Smithsonian, mm. um, and part of that piece is something that I did lead work on. So there's a piece that these hands touch that's in the Smithsonian. Damn. Yeah. That's a contribution, right? It's like Black History, dog. It, nah, it it is, man. And and I I low key I I think how I'm kind of hard on myself sometimes because I didn't keep in touch as much as I should have, but me and him are still like we have a good rapport. That's dope. Damn, that's a hell of a that was a hell of a teacher, bro. Nah, he was super dope, bro. And and I think it had a lot to also do with people being able to see through where a person was at that time. Like I ain't gonna say I was I wasn't a knucklehead, but you could tell like I wasn't like my peers. Yeah, you know, like and they just took the time to to nurture and give advice and give their hand to a, a younger black man and now a grown, you know. So mm. they took they they took that time. They took their job that serious enough to to know that hey, this one conversation or me dealing with this child will change the trajectory of what he is to do in life. Bro, that's dope. 
I would I wish you dang. We need more mentors like that. That's why people like me and you, you know, we're giving our side of the story. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that's that inspires me to be a little more conscious about being active in the community. Yeah. You know, but we need people like we need people like that mm-hmm. in the community that's willing to share some type of knowledge without, you know, being having that crab in the barrel mentality. Yeah. Like I ain't gonna show nobody this or I ain't gonna show nobody that. We need more people like that because I wish I would have bumped into people like that growing up, you know, but you know I'm here. You know. Yeah, nah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's also slight nudges too. So mm-hmm. sometimes it don't take a lot. It's just a little nudge. Hey man, go try out for that. Yeah. Hey man, come over and you already doing it. Just come do it for me. Yeah. yeah. It's a willingness, but then it's also like just the right nudges in the right direction. Right. Okay. So you said some. You said basically in middle school you did the candy slash the had lawn service and a candy distribution. Yeah. Yeah. The candy distribution was high school. I started the lawn service when I was in middle school. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was really going to ask. Okay, you pretty much. So your first, um, was your first hustle cutting grass? Yeah. First, first hustle, hustle was cutting grass. grass. Yeah, man. Um, I like, uh, I cut, uh, I did the cutting grass thing, man. But, you know, you had those neighbors. I wasn't that good. <laughs> you know, I was good. But, like, when it came down to whacking weeds and doing, like, the extras, yeah. that's when I kind of got subpar. So I had a couple... But I'm looking at it like I'm only charging you a dub or a dub five, yeah. you know what I'm saying, as opposed to seventy five or sixty five. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what you're getting, you you get what you pay for. Yeah, it'd be some people that'd be like, you know, assholes about it, and it's like I get it, but you definitely knew what you was paying for if I'm charging you a dub and yeah. a dub five, and I'm a little kid from down the street but, pushing the lawnmower up the street. Come on, I'm finna tell you something funny though. This is, you could apply this to like a different part of life, but. Everybody that was on my street, I didn't cut their yard because they knew me. They knew my mom. They knew I was, you know. <laughs> and when we did cut it, they didn't really want to pay. So I started <laughs> yeah. my initial lawn service with my cousin. Um, he ended up doing his own thing. I ended up doing my own thing. So he would probably cut there because he would, you know what I'm saying, do that. But mm. I would go to the second phase, third phase, yeah. the other neighborhood. I got yeah. a cart. My mom got me, like, thank you cars. And I made I printed out flyers and went and put them on all the doors of the people not around me because those people wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna say support, but they weren't gonna let me cut their grass, let alone pay me when I'm playing basketball in the driveway or yeah. my football may hit their car. Like they yeah. know me too well to <laughs> yeah, want to pay yeah. me for a service. Yeah, exactly. I didn't have a way to get my lawnmower to the other side. Like that would have took a lot. Like you had a truck or something. Like nah, how, you, how you get um, your lawnmower after the first couple of yards i was going to the week the mall like because i probably cut like maybe friday friday i would wake up as soon as the sun came up mm-hmm. and i would push the lawnmower to the other side and they would just knock and that was how it started but <laughs> my mom saw me doing it you know said thank the look guy for mothers you know so Be good she was you. like hey you need to get a cart and when and you keep buying shoes with the money, you need to buy this and then reinvest into the company uh-huh. um get a new lawnmower et cetera, et cetera. so ended up doing that like i went to home depot she she they split the cost with me of the cart yeah split the cost with me of a new lawnmower mm-hmm. my own weed eater and I, as i would work i would just reinvest into you know what i was doing yeah and it was beneficial yeah now you was a little stronger than me bro like you had pushing the lawnmower to the other side that would have been a workout for me bro man i ain't gonna lie with that it money workout it wasn't even it wasn't even hard it was like yeah. i want the money now nah, you play football <laughs> and all the sports man i, I wasn't no um now that's what's up, bro. So, um, so you end up going to Georgia State mm-hmm. through all that. Um, what year? What year did you graduate? 
Uh, I technically didn't graduate. I was a bio major. No, I'm talking about um. Oh, okay. high school. Yeah. What year did you go to start Georgia State? 2011. Oh, 2011. Okay. And I did my. I filed for a hardship in twenty, the spring of twenty sixteen, because basically I was bio, I was bio pre med, so that's technically a five year process. Mm. Um, and by the time I got to that fifth year, I was doing so much in business and yeah. artists that college low key felt numb. Yeah. They felt numb to me. It's like this is not what I like. I'm sitting in class, like I'm thinking about twenty different things other yeah. than work. Yeah. Um, so I found a hardship with the school to just pursue entrepreneurship. Yeah. Pursue the things that I was already doing that were low key paying my well not low key they were paying my bills and taking mm. care of me. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna say it was easy, but I don't regret it. Bro, you had the hardest major in the world. Yeah. Bio, what is it, bio and pre med? Yeah, I was bio pre med. Like I have my, like I have my hardest. associates in chemistry because you know you get a two year degree, but. I didn't go walk or anything for that. They just, you just kind of get it along the way. And Kim, yeah, bro, you t- you had the hardest subject. You want to ch- you you want to challenge yourself. I mean, you probably just wanted to be a doctor. Yeah, because yeah. I, in high school I was math science magnet. I was always smart. <laughs> uh, biology Man, and geez. stuff like that always made sense to me. Yeah. Like math and science made sense to me. Right. I was never like a. Like even though I would have AP literature classes, I didn't like talking <laughs> this back. Man, no. yeah. Oh yeah, that's how you graduated four point three because they give you extra credits. Exactly, because I took extra course. Okay. I took extra courses in AP and all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. That's what's up, bro. Um, so man, um, so when did the Blue House come about? The infamous, <laughs> the, the 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 Blue House was a house that my dad and family owned for about. I want to say close to 14, 15 years. Mm. So I had that house. They had the house well before it was a popular thing in the city. Um, and mm. it, it just so happened to be located right around by my dorm. And it actually got popping because there were these two kids, man, and they found me one day. Like They were like walking around the school with flyers and stuff, and they basically you know, pitched me on helping them with a party. They ripped big my head up like, oh, we're going to do this, do that. So they had an event. I probably brought 50, 60 people there, you know, just thinking I'm doing something. You know, I'm young. I don't know I'm in Georgia. I ain't really even care. Like, I'm getting a party free. It's cool. Yeah, it's a lot of people. Um, and I saw what they did, but I also saw the people I was dealing with weren't, I could do it better. Yeah. Um. So, shoot, my hustle instinct kicked in. Yeah. Um. Since it was right by the school, one day I asked my dad, I said, hey, man, would you mind if I just had you know, a party upstairs? My dad's super cool. Like, anybody that knows yeah. my dad knows my dad. Oh, yeah, he's like, cool, bro. coolest guy on the planet. So he's like, do it. You know what I'm saying? And first day, man, we invited everybody in the dorm for the first one. You feel what I'm saying? And that ended up getting everybody in that dorm and that dorm and that dorm. And the first part of you see 100, 200, 300 kids walking from Georgia State to Edgewood to go to this house. You know what I'm saying? And, man, the parties were epic. Like, they were fun. They were close-knit. It was with friends. Man, me... Karan and a guy named Ayo. Ayo is a guy that was our roommate who was actually our first DJ. We would be swapping DJing, you know, like it was like truly, truly, truly like fun, organic, good time. And it started just to grow, man. Like it got to the point where we would only tell people we're having a party the day before because it was getting too crazy. Then it got to the point where, okay, bro, we can't tweet it. Because if we tweet it, it's too much. 
you know, <laughs> like um, it's a good and, problem, bro. Man, it was it was man, it's a hell of a problem. Man, it was it was a hell of a good time, man. I'm not gonna lie. And then I mean, later in the years, you know, we got a little bit more professional with it. Like we would have security. You know, we promoted it, like, with the right amount of time. We would have the drinks. You know, we kind of set it up different. Had the big speakers, not my auntie speaker from the house with the black and red wire. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the yeah. speakers that had the black and red cords. You had to stick it in, and you had to hook it to an amp, and you had to hook the amp to an aux, and aux mm. to the lap. Yeah, we were janky. So, we ended up, you know, over the time, just making it bigger and better and better. And it ended up becoming a staple, man. Like, I think anybody from it that was outside in Atlanta from 2011 to 2017, 18, you at some, what you passed by it, walked by it, went to one, met your girlfriend at one, met your wife at it. Like, <laughs> it was an experience. Made an impact. It made an impact, made for a, sure. Made an impact in the culture. Yeah, for sure. Broke a lot of, broke a lot of artists, man. Yeah, it did. Yeah, man. So, um, I don't know if they remember that, yeah, remember that hit that, um, that little goofy hit, bitch. You guessing? Oh yeah, <laughs> Maco. That was um, but the first time folks heard it was at the Blue House, right? Mm -hmm. It was whatever happened. What whatever happened to Maco, bro? I saw him. You know, he had the thing going on with his. Oh, he had the um the uh, I forgot what it's called, like the the infection in his yeah, eye. Yeah, 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 yeah. Facts, facts. Well, that ended up healing. No, ended up healing pretty good. I actually just saw him about a maybe last time I was in LA, I saw him. Every okay. time I go to LA, I pretty much see him. Yeah, Anytime he, he comes, see you. yeah, for sure. Like we'll call each other. Yeah. Like uh, shoot, if he comes to Atlanta, like he comes to my crib mm. before he even calls me. So yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, everything was was good. I mean, when when things went on with that, I believe we were in thought process ahead of our time, but in practice and experience, we didn't know a lot. Mm. So when the things went on with Maco and things took off and you know, we ended up, everybody ended up going their separate ways and things kind of, you know, withered away. I think that was just everybody else getting their launching pad to be mm -hmm. able to do with, you know what I'm saying, learn from the experience that we had and then being able to build on top of that and build the companies that we have today. Yeah. Because OGG taught me a lot. Um, it taught me about belief. It taught me about camaraderie. It taught me about sacrifice. It taught me about brotherhood. And it taught me that, man, sometimes you're not wrong. Because yeah. I'll never forget when we did the situation with QC. Um, everything that came from Maco came to our email, you know, like the Rolling Stones, the Double XLs, the bookings. We were kind of letting, you know, Coach and QC know what was going on and referring it to them. But it was like, man, if we would have held off a little bit longer, knew a little more, had a little more experience, it'd be different, mm -hmm. you know, because we had, we also had. A lot of other people under the realms at that point and close knit to where we were going to do greater things because we had Doja Cat. Um, mm -hmm. Ronnie J was locked in with us pretty tight. Uh, but you know, like we were young, we didn't know as much as we know now. And I think it everything happened for the betterment of everybody because everything, if you don't die from it, you learn from it. Yeah. Nah, that's what's up, man. So, um, um, when did uh, the brand? When did the brand Broke the Pot come about? Um, Broke the Pot came about post-OGG. Um, we were trying to, I was trying to figure stuff out, right? Because after OGG, I was low-key in a bit of a shell shop because there was a lot of energy put into this and it worked. Yeah. And then you no longer have anything to do with it. 
Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit of a shell shock. But I mean, I immediately went into marketing. Yeah. Um, we did marketing for Ray Shermer, K Camp, um, Rory, Two Nine, um, Two Chains. So like Two Chains Boats One, Ray Shermer Shroom Life One, Rory's uh, Indigo Child. K Camp Slumlord, like all those marketing campaigns, we did that with my brother Jers. My okay, brother Jers put me on with that. Okay, when you say marketing campaigns, like what type of which, Back, what uh, type of campaigns? It depended, right? Because like with people like LVRN and with Rory, we sat down and we talked about a little bit about everything, right? Mm-hmm. So we talked about everything that they would be doing around it, everything they'd be doing through it, and how we how what we would be doing, guerrilla wise or streets wise, would impact that. Um, people like K Camp, Boat, Shrum Life, that was more so all guerrilla posters, uh, street tactics, street teams, hitting birthday bash, uh, giveaways, um, things like that. So pretty much taking on the brands that we were taking on, but actually putting them in people's hands physically. Uh, something that's like a kind of a lost art today. Everybody kind of relies it's heavily. Like, it's like guerrilla tactics. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so like guerrilla tactics, man. Yeah. Now, I like, yeah, I, I love it, you know. I like that type of marketing, too, because, I mean, yeah, we got ads, you know, mm-hmm. Instagram ads, YouTube ads, but, you know, um, you know, they're direct to the people. You're not going to be able to reach as many people, but you can. I mean, it, help, it helps for reinforcement. Yeah. So when things go, it's like it's like when you have unicorn artists or artists that blow up and it just seems so perfect. Like, they had the song. They had the timing. They had the 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 the, uh, the branding capabilities. They had the marketing plans, and then they executed and it. All it was a symphony, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything was clicking at once, and that's the, that's a thing that people didn't get with that because you had a lot of people, you know, that would spend the gorilla money, but not have anything going on socially on the internet. Mm-hmm. You're wasting your money. You had the people that have everything going on uh, socially. And on the internet, but we have nothing in reality in people's faces, so they mm-hmm. lose it. But when you can kind of find the harmony between both, that's when you see things take off. Yep. When you see someone on the internet, but then you're <clears> walking <throat> down the street and you see the poster, or you go into the gas station, you hear them playing the song. You know what I'm saying? Things like that. Mm-hmm. So, so broke the pot started off like a more of a marketing agency. It started off as us trying to find what our identity was because we were. We came up with a bunch of names, you know what I'm saying? Like a bunch of weirds. I think it was like Bucks, different little things. Like we came up with a bunch of different things because initially our first push was going to be Munchie. Um, and then what ended up happening was Jersey Instagram name was Broke the Pop. And we were talking one day and he said, he said something funny. He was like, uh, if you don't need your, your manager, some all in your video, come sign the BTP. And I said, bro, that's it. Said that's it. That's what we're gonna run with. That's the name. Broke the pot. And when we did that, I mean, shoot, we hit the streets running. You know, like we printed up merch. Um, we ended up not doing Munchie first, but we did Munchie and Swipe. Swipe is an artist that we used to represent. Um, and when we did that, I mean, it it hit the city hard. Like I think a lot of people know have know the brand, have seen the brand. If you haven't really seen it, you uh, you heard of it. Got it on your chest right there, man. Yeah, for sure. Broke the pot. I like that hoodie, man. And Thank you. Do. You get one, man. I got you, man. You know. Shop broke the pot. Make sure you guys shop broke the pot. Yeah. Now, that's what's up, bro. Um, I got you. 
So I feel what you're saying. So at first y'all were just doing these things, but you didn't really have like a name or identity. Yeah, it, it and was. And then it just kind of came about, you know, through a joke, like, like a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of shit come out, you know, you start off as a joke and it's like, I said, nah, that's it. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. Because because you had to, we had to put something. You had to wrap what what you have to wrap what you're doing in something. You have to have an imprint. You have to have a brand. You have to yeah. wrap whatever you're doing. You could be selling hot cakes on the street, bro. If you got a brand around it. You could build on that. And that's mm -hmm. and that was really the ultimate thing with Broke the Pot. It was something that we could build on. It was a housing unit for everything we do. Like to this day, like my checks from labels are cut to broke the pot you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. when i go have meetings or get checked you know what i'm saying they're all broke the pot so everything that i do is broke the pot and i mean and then we essentially took that just to mean like you got to make what you got out of the situation like i didn't come from millions of dollars i didn't come from mansions and cars and jewelry like i came from a place where i had to really work to get what i have Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't make excuses about where I was. I just did what I had to do to get out of where I was. Absolutely. Right, that's dope. So um, right now, how many, well, can you even remember or name how many artists that Broke the Pot works with currently? Because you, do you put that under that as well? Is that a whole separate business? Yeah, bro, it's, like? it's under the management company. Yeah, um, I got you. So right now, we have Munchie. Mm -hmm. We have DJ Mark B., Mm -hmm. We have Yo Dog, mm -hmm. and I have a producer by the name of Shaz Ulala from France. Shaz um, Ulala, that that's one name, right? Yeah, Shaz Ulala. Yeah, Shaz is amazing, man. One of the most talented musicians I've ever experienced. Plays nine different instruments, like mm. super crazy. He says from where? France. France. Yeah. We go to France. We tapped in. For oh sure. yeah, for sure. Okay, man. Let me get my ticket. Oh, you talking about yeah? You ain't talking about no, you okay. man. Man, Munchie got cool with him and ended up recording one of the first songs on his project out there. Like Munchie went to Paris with his mom, and he's like, "Man, what am I supposed to?" Do? I said, "Hold on, got you." Hit my boy, my boy picked him up, took him on. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like we really like across the globe, like can still get things to put together. Yeah, damn. So, um, all right. So y'all not like an agency. Y'all pick who y'all work with. Y'all not just like soliciting people that want to work with y'all. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people want to work with me because a lot of people think they know what they want. Mm -hmm. But the way I look at it, and this is something I, I explained to people even just last night, is like going forward, I don't see myself having, I don't see myself managing, quote unquote, managing another artist yeah. or a producer. I see myself signing them. I see myself being an executive to their situation. I see myself A and R in their deal. Yeah. Um, I see to build my myself up and my label up, you know. Mm -hmm. But to say that I would go on and continue what I'm doing as a manager, that's not where my my vision is. My vision is mm -hmm. a label. My vision is being able to take these these because we live in a realm now where Deals are so one of one each time. Artists are so unique. There's so many artists. Streaming is what it is. I don't see myself be trying to attach myself in a management role anymore. It's like I can help these people that need the help in unique ways. And if I can do that, that is a value to them. That is a value to these institutions that would like to keep the money flowing through their institution. And I see myself finding a, a, a good place there to really have longevity in music you know because i don't i could manage 
three people at a time, right? But I can help and orchestrate a hundred different situations. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So that's yeah. where like my mind and vision is with things. Yeah, it's like it's like kids. Yeah. Once you start managing somebody, it's like kinda like kids, you know what I'm saying? Not saying like in that aspect, but more so you should be responsible for like, you know, not like you gotta babysit everybody's considered an artist or whatever, but the responsibility is like kids. So I can imagine somebody had a hundred kids to you know what I'm saying? Do it. And then you know? and I think in the, we live in a day and age where people don't even know what it really means to be somebody's manager. I think yeah. the internet and know-it-all friends have tarnished what it really means to be a manager. People think a manager is, don't get me wrong, They are there are certain things that would come with someone of a certain caliber as a manager, but mm -hmm. yeah, there are right. also things on the other end that the artist must have, that the team must have, that the movement must have, you know what I'm saying, that the music must carry for yeah. that manager to be able to even do what they need to do, and a lot of people don't understand that. You mean like I can only gas so many cars, yeah. You know, nah, um, and do it and to do it well. But yeah. I can come in and say, "Hey, man, I know you're independent. I know you like this type of situation. I know you don't want to be with a major. Hey, how about I help you set up Distro over here? Mm -hmm. Same thing you're doing with Distro Kid, but it's just a company to help you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Um, and it, they'll allow you to collect more money. They'll help you have more structure. They'll allow these people that are around you to now have a point of contact to where, okay, man, if you're handling booking for me, well, the distro company got a person that handles booking, so I need you to connect with them mm. so that we can build this thing out. And now you're building out a company versus dropping songs on your distro. Yeah. And okay. if I can help people get in more and more situations like that, so you know what I'm saying? I'm tied into it, but I'm not tied into it where I am where I have to be with you day to day. I'm not tied into it where I have to hold your hand. I'm not tied into it day to day where I have to yeah. make sure you woke up to get to the airport on time or ah, you know what I'm saying things like that like <laughs> I can I can help you in the most beneficial way yeah. ever and be a voice and an executor to the situation but mm -hmm. to be hands-on and take on another artist's management that's just not where I see my future in music yeah and I got you bro um it's a lot man it's like a lot of expectations mm -hmm. everything goes wrong falls under you mm -hmm. you know if you just said someone through a distribution agency it's like they personal, all their personal life. It really don't affect you. You know what I mean? No, they, they will have a manager. Yeah, they will have. And I can a, help them find a manager. They will have an appointed, appointed guardian. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Parent or a guardian. That's a guardian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I feel you. Uh, all right, man. We actually got some business going on, man. We got uh, you know, we got this real estate development project going on in the Street Georgia, Development. Man. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. So, um, I be honest, man. So. I did a lot of investments, man, but you like the heart and soul of the whole whole project, especially now. Mm -hmm. You know what some of the things going on, man. So, um, what's been the latest? What's the latest? Well, so all right, so do we want to? What a we doing? Background? Tell them what we doing, man. Okay, what, 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 me and you know what's going on, but yeah, they don't. That the people don't know. So yeah. what's going on is we went into a partnership with the Augusta Land Bank Authority and the Housing Community Development of Richmond County to collaborate to build and rehabilitate areas and dilapidated structures for affordable housing. So essentially, we work with the land bank to get the land, we work with ACD to get a house built on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so, um, all right, so our goal currently, man, we um, building these, basically re rebuilding nest communities mm -hmm. for the most part, um, all through Augusta, Georgia, and, um, we got some stuff coming on the market pretty soon, right? Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got four coming up out okay. of the ground right now. All right, so have you um made any other investments in real estate outside of the project we got going on? Yeah, my initial investment, which was a, man, I don't want to tell the story. I'm trying to think about how to say it without getting too deep. So my initial investment was my start in real estate. Right. So I I did like everybody <clears throat> else do. You know, you kind of, I paid for a little course. I did some research. I knew a little bit about real estate. I wanted to get into it. An opportunity presented itself to me. The opportunity was lucrative. Um, it was lucrative from the very beginning. Um, we bought a parcel of land um, through probate uh, from a deceased uh, person that lived in, uh, what was it, Tucker, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fronted the money to purchase that land. Um, we purchased the land. The land immediately appraised for double what we paid for it. We were going to build a half a million dollar house on it. It was going to cost us two hundred grand to do it. Mm. Um, but like a lot of people that know and deal in real estate, um, things happen. You yeah. deal with the wrong type of people. Um, you 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 put the money into the wrong people's hands. So I was actually in a situation where the house was getting built. But the contractor and the person that brought the deal to me started doing backhand things. Like uh, they committed mortgage fraud um, to get my name off of the property. Um, They stole money from me, a lot of money from me. And what was crazy about the situation was that it was brought to me by what I thought was a friend. You know, I don't even want to ask what color he was. Uh, You know what color he was. So I thought he was a friend. It ended up turning into a situation where... I was out of eighty, ninety thousand dollars. Yeah, that was my initial investment in real estate. Some, yeah. Um, and then from there, but I knew how to keep a cool head. When things were hitting the fan, I didn't panic. I didn't show my hand. I just was learning. Because with anything, you, you're gonna learn hard lessons. Um, and but keeping my head cool in that situation and observing what was going on was how I was able to get the Augusta relationship. Um, the yeah. same people that burnt me brought that to me, and that situation has been gold for me. Yeah, I know. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. know this guy too, man. Yeah, and then even even that was uh, even the Augusta situation. Like it's it is lucrative over time, but it still took due diligence, hard work. Yeah. Uh, outside financing to get things done. Yeah. Um, nothing's gonna come easy. Um, nothing's gonna come fast. Yeah. Nothing gonna come without heartache, pain. Like we literally built the initial build on our street with our bare hands. Um, yeah, we did an entire renovation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with our bare hands, yeah. man. Like I'm not gonna lie, but I mean, it taught me a lot. It's nobody, it's nothing nobody can tell me about what it takes to build a house, what it, the the components of it, uh, the order of operations for how much it should cost. Yeah, I learned it through fire. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, but I would say like my initial investment was my. Is the only other investment I made outside of the relationship that we brokered with the land bank. Mm. Nah, this is a um, yeah. You better than me, man. Uh, my so-called friend that um, put me in a bad business situation. I spazzed. You spazzed? Yeah, but that, okay. that didn't get me nowhere though. Yeah. Man, it, like not not. It didn't get me the results. Yeah, you know. So I mean, you know. But um, so my first real estate project, I bought a house. Um. I saw it on Craigslist. They were selling it for like forty-two thousand. I, you know, I, I think I bought it for like around thirty thousand, and it was a project. Now, you know what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure I lost a little money on that too. 
dealing with so-called not having my structure right as far as my contractors mm-hmm. and it was like a two bed one bath you know don't you know nowadays you got to have a three and two, two. Mm-hmm. you know at least a three and two you know what i mean and um you know i'm dealing with janky negroes and not just janky negroes and i'm a janky negro myself because i'm not educating myself on you know i'm not keeping my eye on it as i should you know because mm-hmm. i'm putting my trust into who i hire and things of that nature and but it was a but you know you gotta start from somewhere so i bought a cash mm-hmm. it was on like around thirty thousand. that was cash rich at the time you know i wasn't really invested in much mm-hmm. so i was cash rich and um it took about a year some change to lose twenty thirty thousand dollars but basically i didn't really technically i didn't really lose that much i didn't really lose that much you know what i'm saying it was more so well i lost i took an l yeah you took an l but an l is a lesson i learned yeah. a lot of lessons and here we are today you know i invested um i had a, another situation i had bought a house in riverdale and i was gonna live in the house but it was like i'm just like me and you know you in a big house that was like a four bed three bath you know what i mean so you know the walls start talking to you like if you're in a big house by yourself i don't have that much stuff occupying a house and all that type of stuff so you would hear like the whatever the, the cracks and the you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was on the south side and not a lot of motivation. It was a split level one you had, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And um I had I, so what happened was I started Airbnb in this this property. I started Airbnb in it. And just me not keeping a full attention on it. Alright, so for one it was already on a a odd plumbing structure. You know what I mean? And um you know the people from the Airbnb. I'm I'm attracting the wrong guests. They flushing balloons and condoms and paper towels down the toilet, man. And like the bottom started flooding, started flooding. So I bought the house for 150, and I spent like several thousand on different plumbing and inspectors before I just realized this is gonna be a big old problem. Mm-hmm. But the economy went up. So this house I bought for 150 was now worth like 230. You know. E- ARV after repair value two thirty, but obviously with the plumbing and all that type of stuff, it was like worth around like two hundred, you know, and then plus the interest and all the you know the finances. So I still made good mm-hmm. on that one right there. You know what I'm saying? Even though it didn't do what I wanted to do, you know, I had went from Plan A, I had to go to Plan B. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, the extra strategy is the thing. Yeah, That's you got it. Yeah, because right. everything was, doesn't go smooth, man. But you gotta have a way to get out mm-hmm. to where you. Even if you lose a little, you make a little, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, just don't lose yeah, that yeah. count. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, just don't lose your mind, man. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so look, we got music, we got real estate, we got Broke the Pot, the brand, and the uh, the brand, and the label. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So, what you got anything else going on that you want to talk about? Yeah, I have a print and fulfillment company um, called Paint the City, ATL. Mm. Uh, embroidery, uh, screen printing, PVC patches, chenille patches, full color transfers. We do it all. Uh, we've made our state and doing tour merch. So people along the lines of 30 Prom, they're a huge Brazilian um, rap group. They came to America. They were our first actual concert uh, concert touring contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it opened my eyes, man, because I mean, we were in a little shop that I had off of Lawrenceville Highway, little cubby. Um, and we got a, a order in for 3,000 shirts, you know? Oh, and that was like, okay, hold on. 
we know what to do here you ding. know ding <laughs> um so so from there man like we went on we expanded we worked hard i branded i bought more machinery i reinvested into myself um and i mean to date i mean we've done people on the lines of fireboy dml we did his entire tour um we've helped with uh other tours along the lines of uh burner and things of that nature with other shops um we do a lot of custom work for small brands we do a lot of work for PR companies, things of that nature. But I mean, but our print shop, just in all, we're a black owned print shop. You're not okay. going to see a lot of, you're not going to see a lot of black men know how to work these embroidery machines, these mm -hmm. screen printing machines. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a fast turnaround. We're located off of Stone Hogan Connector Road, uh, right by Greenbrier. Mm -hmm. um, we have rush orders available. Um, I would just say that's another business that we have. And shoot, come support, man. Instagram paint the city ATL. Our website's paint the city ATL. You can go on the website, design the clothes, send the order in, and it'll get shipped to your door. You heard the man. You definitely heard the man. Mm -hmm. What's up, man? You got you got some good quality stitching on that on that jacket you got there, son. Yeah, we did this. Yep, we did this. We did the rhinestones on the back. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we've done a lot of work for a lot of brands that people wear to this day. I mean, we even done stuff for Sean John. Okay, so yeah. for your top clients, like. Are you even willing to share some of your sourcing? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so that's another benefit. Of, you know, you got yeah. some good quality material. So I would, I would much rather people let us pick the brands if they really want a certain quality. Because you deal oh, yeah. with people that don't know what they want, uh -huh. and that's why even with my company, I set up an online basis to where it's a little bit simpler. You go in here, you slide your design where you want it to go on the shirt. You tell me how you want it printed. You're going to see your mock-up. We'll confirm the mock-up via email. You'll say, yes, we'll print it. Because what you deal with, with a lot of the stuff is people think they want something, but they don't understand what it takes to get it. So I tell the people that I know really want something quality and they want it for it to sell and they want it. Hey man, let me source this for you. Don't go get this Gilda t-shirt. Let's get the AS cool. Let's get the comfort colors. <laughs> Don't go get this BS auto hat from Amazon. Let's go get it from the, my auto account. Yeah. You know, let me, okay, you want a nice t-shirt that won't fade? Okay, you need to get this AS Calor full color medium, you know? Yeah. Oh, I want a heavyweight. So what type of GSM are you talking? Oh, what's GSM? See, that's what I'm telling you. See, ground, you know, so that's grams per square meter. On, that lets you know the thickness and quality of what you're doing. Okay. Um, If you want something stitched, I wouldn't tell you stitch something on a t-shirt. I would tell you stitch it on this type of, you know? Yeah. So that comes with really um uh like a consultation but that's something that you get from us just by us caring about what we're doing um when you go to these other shops what's what really inspired me to do is that i was going to shops man and i would get my stuff back it would be messed up it would be wrong it would be upside down and the people didn't care like man get your order out of here care. not talking to you like you come in you know you drop your stuff off in the front yeah. you come pick it up it's in the front there's nobody to complain to yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was an issue, you know. So I made printing cheap for myself by investing on the front end and buying the machinery. Because right. the original reason why I even bought an embroidery machine was to make things for myself so that people wouldn't yeah. mess my stuff up. And I went and bought it. And I didn't even know how to work it. Yeah. Yeah. Figured yeah. it out, though. I yeah. was going That was going to be my next question, but you pretty much answered it. What? I say. Well, I was going to say, how did this print, you know, this print fulfillment entity come about man I'm, I'm gonna give a look i'm gonna give a little a little because it really was funny right so the guys were making my stuff and they just kept messing up messing up messing up so i said man what i'm gonna do so one day i was looking at i was gonna buy a car right i was gonna buy a pontiac g8 
Yeah. I wanted one so bad. Liabilities. Yeah, liabilities. <laughs> my boy uh Polo had one. And Polo got the cleanest one in the city. I don't know if he still got it. Yeah. Polo, you got the cleanest one in the city. <laughs> it was so hard that I wanted one. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm, i I found it on Facebook, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. damn, I'm finna get this. Like I had called a dude and everything. And then like I just said I seen like an embroidery, like you know how you looking at stuff and then they start suggesting stuff i seen an embroidery yep. group pop up yeah and i oh, clicked it yeah group. yeah Jeez. like a group so i clicked it and it was people selling machines you know the same machines i saw the people using in the shop so I'm like, yeah they were selling i'm like three thousand four thousand now i'm gonna get to do six grand <laughs> for this car i'm just buy this yeah and whatever it is whatever it ends up being is better than me buying this car hell yeah so i literally <laughs> Stood the dude up for the car. He wanted to kill me. He sent me a threatening message. He said, man, you wasted my time. I said, man, I'm chasing my dreams. He said to somebody, I'm chasing my dreams. He said to somebody else. I literally went, the ride to go get that first machine, I really, I ain't know if we'd make it back. It was like torrential downpour leaving Atlanta. By the time we got to Tennessee, it was snowing. You had to go up them because I had to go pick it up from Missouri. <laughs> I had to pick it up from Missouri now. Whoa. Yes, bro. I, had to, I had to pick it up from Missouri, bro. Whoa. So I drove all the way up to Missouri through all type of weather conditions <laughs> you could think of, bro. Like on the way back, like we was on the mountain, hit ice, almost hit the wall. Like, but we made it back, you know. And it was crazy because when the lady, we got to her house and she said, yeah, you guys take your time, make sure it works, you know, I'll be upstairs. I said, okay, thank you. She walked upstairs. I looked at my brother. You took it. I said, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I looked I'm at my brother bro. and said, look, if I plug it up and it comes on, we good. So I plugged it up, popped it on, and said, ding. Seen the screen come on, everything. I said, all right, we out. Because I didn't know how to work it. Yeah. I um, mean, yeah, man, that's how I started, <laughs> man. That's how I started, man. Yeah, man. Damn, that's what's up, bro. Yeah, but the people out there, man, take that chance. Don't go buy that stupid stuff. Buy something, reinvest in yourself. Buy something that can make you money. Buy something that even if you don't know about it, you buy something that like, man, you'll take the time to learn it. Because yeah. doing little things like that was how we got to where we are. You yeah. know, you got to take those little leaps. Those little leaps lead yeah. you to big bounds. Hell yeah, man. You know, assets first, liabilities third, mm -hmm. third, third. And don't think that you're not capable to learn something. It's not hard to learn something. You just gotta take baby steps. So, um, man, you got any uh, more businesses you wanna uh, tell me? You know, tell me about. You know, I've been forgetting um, that. You I wanna, I wanna shout out, shoot, things that I'm a part of. I mean, fuck you, mean records. Um, that is a label and company being built out by Mark B. Yeah. Um, we mean, worked man. very, very, very hard to build that brand out. It is flourishing, lovely. Um, all the love to Mark, to the team, to Dose, to Julio, to Todd, to Mariam, to Isis, to everybody on the team. We work very hard. We're going to continue to work hard and push the brand, push things forward. Um, shout out to Real One, the brand. My guy, Junior, he's one of the realest friends I have. Any type of insight I need, any help I've needed, any materials clothing videos i've needed he's been right there of course it's business but he's been right there you know to help me out to do whatever it is i need to do um shout out to paid lease my boy jay paid he has the leaf company going up he's the owner of jokes up he's venturing into the leaf lane he's a super leaf yeah leafs um they're rolling leafs they're like a oh okay um like backwoods oh that's dope bro yeah for sure like he's doing his thing. He's in a lot of places right now. Um, shout out to him. 
Um, let me think. Who else? I do. I, I miss, I'm trying to think about who. I'm feel like I'm missing people. I don't want to miss nobody. Shout out to uh, Chuck Foot Clan, Time Plus Money. He's one of the creators, one of the people that I work with at the shop. He is one of the most creative people I know in this world. He has made 20 different brands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he's like, without him, I wouldn't have even been able to get as far as I've gotten with my shop, with insight, with buying the right things, with knowing how and what to do, different materials, backings, things of that nature. Like Chuck has been a godsend. That's dope. Um, things that are on the way. Um, Walkie Tech, uh, that's a company that I made because we play video games a lot. Mm. So we got gaming headsets, controllers, um, keyboards. Yeah, keyboards, um, um, widgets. Um, so we got our own console coming out, but it's going to be a handheld like a PSP. Mm. Um, I got it, so I'm going to help, help you launch it on Amazon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, facts. For okay. sure. Well, you know what it is. You know, it's like a... Um, the the term is evading me, but it's um we're basically paying for licensed games. So the games that we have, the version of the game, I don't really wait on samples to get here, but it's basically shaped like a PSP, and it has every game on it you could think of from back in the day, from Sonic to Super Dead. You could use the internet on it, things of that nature. Mm. I really want to get into the tech space because it's like why not? Yeah. You don't like even if I start off with the little things, who knows what that builds into? You know? Hell yeah! Now that's amazing, man. Guess what? He's black very doing all this stuff man so um and red box papers on the way what's that man red box papers is my paper brand um i walk into gas stations all the time and everybody knows what you see you see tobacco and swishers and game leaves and everything just you see so much of it right, right. and then when you look at the papers right you see two different ones you see jobs you see bob marley's if right. you had the right gas station they got some raws right so that's three yeah, it's a hundred other skews on the other shelves. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to be the fourth skew. Yeah, I just went to a Coca-Cola factory and they uh, who's the guy's name was Asa Griggs Candler. He basically like the dude that took the formula and went and got it distributed and all. Like he had everybody that served drinks served Coca-Cola, and he just kind of saying how he was just he did things like he got coupons popular. He made it where people got a free taste of Coke. And like one out of ten people, it was like dope. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because they had a lot of this history on the walls. It kind of remind me of that. You know, like what you're saying, man. You got it in you, man. You remind me of um, Dave Crockett. That's his name, right? Dave Dave, Dave Crockett, yeah. Yeah, man. One of them type of guys, man. Man, I'm lucky to have you as a friend, man. So, nah, man. I'm lucky to have you as a friend. Yeah, absolutely, man. So if you had a, a secret to success, a secret, one of your secrets to success, you know, can you share with my audience, man? Because they got to know how it is that you do things that you're doing, man. I don't stop. Okay, resilience. Uh, resilience, accountability, hard work. Mm. Resilience is the most part because you're going to get hit with so many no's. You're going to hit with so many people that don't appreciate you. I see so many people get deterred because they've done something amazing for somebody that didn't appreciate it. Yeah. You know, and it, it deters them to never want to do it again. I'm like, dude, you can't be like that. Keep yeah. it going. Don't let yeah. nobody stop you. Right. There's nothing that I'm doing right now that will stop me from ever continuing what I'm doing. You yeah. know, you got to be like that. You got to have that hard skin. You got to know that it's going to all make sense one day. You know what I'm saying? Because right. I, I work on faith my entire life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, ain't, I ain't have no cheerleader. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't have no uh, 
Give me a B. Yeah, it's A. I ain't had that, bro. Like, no, bro. <laughs> like, I've taken crazy ideas to people that didn't believe in it. Yeah. And I still did it, and now they're trying yeah. to be a part of it. You That's know? how I go. I remember, uh, I remember before, like, um, I started, like, before I started, like, really cashing. All right, so one thing that I do, I run an Amazon store, and um, I'm one of those I buy this for cash type of people. That you see, like I buy gold and mm-hmm. iPhones, things of that nature. Have you started doing that? I mean, that you're oh, gold. Yeah, I know you said you were going uh, to it. I, more so like watches. Okay. Because it's easier, so it's easier to have a buyer already ready before I make the purchase. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like I remember one time I was telling my friends, I was like, man, I'm gonna start flipping um, iPhones. You know, he was like, and he, I was telling him how what I was gonna do and how I was gonna do it, and he was just like, skeptic. 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 We mm-hmm. was like, well, whatever. He didn't see it. And um, it's, I still do it to this day. That was like <laughs> eight, nine years ago. You know what I'm saying? Make, and if I really wanted to go hard, I could, you know, I got friends that run phone, like phone stores, and that's one of the pieces of their puzzle. You know what I mean? Like, like entire we we fix iPhone stores. You know, mm-hmm. I know a few people that do that, and it's very lucrative. Like one niche iPhones, more so like used and refurbished things of that nature, man. So um, all right. So look, one more question, man. How do you? You got a lot of things going on. I do as well, so I want to know what your, you know, some advice that you have as far as uh, staying uh, balanced or not getting overwhelmed or uh, you know those type of things. It's it's two things, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of don't. I kind of have like a. I've lost a lot of people. I've lost a lot in this life. Mm-hmm. So I kind of use my what do they call it, survivor's remorse as motivation. Yeah. You know, um, I use the fact that I, I, I got people that didn't get the chance, you know. Yeah. I, I got, I, I've lost a lot, so that weighs on me heavy, like more heavier than anything that I want for myself. It's like, damn, I, I was doing this with my brother, and I'm not no more. I was doing yeah, this with my friend, and I'm not no more. I was calling this person and they were excited about what I was doing. I can't call them anymore. So like, you can even hear it in my voice. Like that's really what keeps me like where I at on top of my stuff. And then on top of that, my kids and my fam, it's like, I lean on them like a lot. Like, so family and just knowing that like, at the end of the day, this is my basis. This is my roots. The rest of this stuff is just the world that I'm taking on. Mm. Yeah. All right, man. So before we get out of here, man, we're going to play this or that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, you know, basically this or that. You know, simple as that, you know. So what I got to do, like, tell you which one I'm going to do? Mm-hmm. Okay, bet. All right. So you would invest right now. Mm-hmm. Crypto or stocks? Stocks. Yeah. Me too. I don't <laughs> even think that's a question right now. <laughs> yeah, because crypto yeah. is... Anybody that like trades that. for real knows what's going on. Yeah, uh, it's a highly unregulated, manipulated market. Okay. Yes, you can win, but I promise you, I know a lot of people that have lost. Mm. So stay woke. Okay. When it comes down to working with individuals, you like working with artists or producers, which is more, which is less stressful? Should I producers. Say? Less stressful producers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Because well, as a producer, you have to understand the business before you can even know that you need a manager to handle the business. Yeah, artists fact. just be an artist. 
they have some shit hard. A nigga they still say, man, you need to get a good manager. It's, it's out of here. <laughs> <laughs> then that then that good manager that get you out of there, you want to give them 10% or, or fire them later after shit's lit. It's like, yeah. no. Yeah. Like a producer really understands, like, bro, okay, <laughs> I need you here to handle this business. And it's a little bit simpler, you know, like it's paperwork, it's getting them in rooms, it's moving the meter, it's getting them with artists. That's a lot simpler than trying to take a person that wants the world and you got to give it to them piece by piece. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. So I know you said you're quite the athlete, man. Which you like? Which is a funner sport to play, football or basketball? Funner to play. Which would do? Which do you like playing more? I like playing football more. Okay. Because football is, it's not like basketball. Like football is is gladiators. Like it's me versus you, and boy, you got to be ready. Okay. You know. Like, basketball is like, it's finesse, it's this, it's that. You know, like, football is like, nah, that person that's in front of you is your, is, you got to move them. And they're trying not to be moved. So what happened when unmovable uh, force meets an unstoppable force? Uh, Somebody going somebody gonna to bust their ass. Come on. Don't yeah. get your ass bust. A plus B Pause. equals A plus B equals, equals C. Come on. You know what I mean? All right, uh, all right. This might be a seasonal question, man, but I'm gonna ask it anyways. Which items are more popular in your store, t-shirts or hoodies? Hoodies. Hoodies. Okay, so it wasn't a seasonal question, and yeah. I was thinking I because was thinking. people buy hoodies all year round. Yeah. Okay. Like I have a hoodie on right now. I think it's 80 degrees. Right, and I feel like I need one right now. It's 80 degrees. Yeah. You know what I mean? T-shirts are like a. Because most people, most t-shirts, if you don't buy the right kind, you'll get washed. If you, if, and once you wash it, it's, yeah, it's washed. Yeah, it's washed. All right. Which is more stressful, <laughs> dealing with real estate bullshit or music bullshit? Music. Okay. The, on, the only thing that's stressful about yeah, real money. estate part is like, you just got to, if you get the money, it ain't stressful. <laughs> yeah, the money. With the, with the music stuff, like, sometimes you can have the money and it's still, like, yeah. stressful. Like, it's... Oof. Like I'll be on sites working, and it's like I'm thinking about music stuff. Like yeah. music is way more stressful. All right. Okay, man. It's pretty much it, man. It's a wrap, man. Um, it's a wrap. You got anything you want to add before I conclude? Um, no, nah, man. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully later in a year when we can run this back, and maybe I got six, seven other different things going on. Hell yeah, man. Okay. All right, cool, man. So this has been another episode of Multiple Streams by any means. And uh, we just wrapped up a hell of an episode. My brother Dante broke the pot, Coates. And uh, remember, man, good thing go to those that hustle, man. For a fact. For a fact.